Welcome to another episode of Pod for Good. I am your chief philanthropod, Jesse Ulrich. And I'm your vice admiral philanthropod, Chris Miller. And today our guest is Aaron Belsley, executive director of Tulsa Remote. Today we talk to Aaron about how Tulsa Remote is helping diversify Tulsa in every sense of the word, how the community spirit of Tulsa is winning over participants, and how Tulsa Remote has already been a huge success. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or anywhere podcasts can be found. You can also now rate our podcast at ratemypodcast.com slash podforgood. Enjoy. We are very excited to have Aaron Belsley on the podcast today. Hello, Aaron. Hi there. Thanks for having me. We are, we are excited to have you, and we're excited to talk about Tulsa Remote, the program that you are the executive director of. So real briefly, not that any of our listeners probably don't know what Tulsa Remote is, but just in case they don't. Give me the 30-second rundown of what Tulsa Remote does. Sure. So Tulsa Remote is an initiative of the George Kaiser Family Foundation. We launched in November of 2018, the first cohort. Uh, The intention is to attract talented people from all over the country who have the flexibility to work from wherever to come and work in Tulsa for a year. So we launched the first year. It was really successful. So we just launched our second year in October. Now, as I was reading... You originally expected maybe 20 people in the in the first group and it ended up being like 100. So we when we first launched, I think we talked about having 600 to 1000 people apply throughout the year and we surpassed that in the first day. <laughs> so we had to start reconsidering what was the best thing to do for Tulsa and we had originally thought maybe 20 or 25 people but the the caliber of the people who applied was just so incredible that we decided to expand it to 100. So we uh ended up inviting 100 people last year. So when people apply, what what are some of the things that you look for in an ideal candidate? You know, I get that question a lot, and it's hard to put defined parameters about mm-hmm. what makes somebody a really great fit for the program. We try to make sure that the program is as diverse as possible mm-hmm. in every aspect of that word. I would say that the, the, the true common thread, though, through all the people that we selected was uh, an individual who cares more about what they give to a community than what they get. Uh, and that can be in multiple different ways, but it's basically just an individual who's really excited to be a proactive member in a community and, and give back to that community. How do you um, connect them with the community once they come here? We do that in a number of different ways. So the the first is to make sure that the individuals feel connected to each other. So we we really try to, to cultivate a sense of belonging within the Tulsa Remote group. We have monthly dinners where all of the, the, the individuals get together. Uh, we give them updates about the program. We usually have special guests come and talk about different initiatives throughout Tulsa. Another way we help them get connected or, or provide a sense of community is uh, events that we sponsor throughout the year where we invite Tulsans to come and connect with the Tulsa Remote participants. We also have community engagement individuals on our team who are actively working to get the individuals connected to people within the community. We find it to be the most important aspect of the program to get the individuals that come into Tulsa connected to people who have already been living in Tulsa so that both parties can benefit from from Tulsa Remote. Uh, Additionally, we try to support programs and and events that are already happening in the Tulsa community, organizations that are already uh, active in the Tulsa community by providing awareness to the people who are in our program, to those, to those organizations. And what, what would you say is the sort of long-term purpose and vision for Tulsa Remote? For any community to thrive, 
there needs to be an influx of, of, of talented and diverse individuals. Uh, and what we saw was that there were a ton of individuals living in major cities that didn't know that Tulsa was a strong option for them. They considered other cities like Portland, Austin, Nashville, Denver, mm-hmm. but Tulsa really never made that list. And it wasn't because of what Tulsa lacks. It, it really came down to a lack of perception of, of Tulsa and the reality that is the, the city. Uh, it, you know, because of the leaders in, in, in Tulsa, over the last 15 years, the city has is, is really evolved dramatically. I, I grew up in Tulsa. I was born and raised. I left for around 15 years. So thanks for doing all the work while I was gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And listen, I thank him for <laughs> that all the me. time. Yeah, that, 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 that'd be Chris. So, <laughs> and uh, and so it's really about exposing those mm-hmm. talented people who are already looking for a new place to live. That Tulsa could be a really great option. So, the long term goal is to develop the most vibrant and inclusive mm-hmm. Tulsa possible, and that really comes down to again attracting diverse individuals that help enhance the already talented community that's here Mm -hmm. and provide more opportunity for the individuals that live in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have the most diverse industry of any city in the country, but if you can attract remote workers from all over the country in all types of industries, you can extremely quickly uh, expand, diversify the the representation of industry. And I feel like remote workers have sometimes a little more freedom to be more community engaged than people who have a nine to five office job and have to be at one place all the time. You know, remote people can do their work from a local coffee shop, can do go to the library, can have lunch meetings. So it's a, it's an interesting angle. My question when I first heard about this program was like both of us moved away, came back. Would that $10,000 have been not better used, but differently used to attract people who moved away to come back? So we don't differentiate between individuals that were from Tulsa and left and came back and people who have never been to Tulsa. If, if individuals that have left Tulsa want to participate in the program, we're, we're really excited about that. The, you know, the $10,000 is meant to remove a barrier. It, it removes risk. The risk of, there's a financial uh, risk in, in moving to a new city. So if you, you can remove that risk and provide additional incentives, the community development aspects, the, the co-working space, my opinion is, is that you're, a, you're, you're developing a program that, that really attracts the right type of people, the people who are, were actively looking at moving into a new community, hadn't considered Tulsa before, said, why not try it? Come and visit, see what makes this town special, and spend a year getting connected. I know that you're still, you're sort of, you've just passed the sort of year one mark, so you don't necessarily have the data to answer this question, but what would be success for Tulsa Remote going forward of those people? How many of them would need to stay for two years, five years, 10 years for you to look back on and be like, okay, this worked, this brought, you know, new energy, new ideas and new people to Tulsa? I think there are a lot of different ways that you can measure success in one way, we've already been extremely successful. The exposure of Tulsa to the rest of the world is, has been pretty huge. You know, over three billion in reach at this point. People who had never heard of the city before are now thinking of a town that is moving in the right direction, that's willing to take chances, that are attracting really talented people. In other ways, we've already been successful. The people who have come through in the first year have already gotten incredibly connected to the community and are are helping the the existing leaders push issues forward that they're really passionate about. I would say the greatest example of success would be that the individuals that come in 
like living in Tulsa and choose to stay here longer than the year. Um, and while I don't expect every single person to stay, I think the vast majority are going to stay. And the feedback that I've gotten from them anecdotally is that they are happy and they are excited. I mean, it didn't ha- help this year that we had a tornado and an earthquake <laughs> in the same week. But uh, but for the most part, people are extraordinarily excited about Tulsa and, and uh, have been really happy about the decision to move here. And you don't have to get into specifics, but I'm curious, what are some of the uh, more uh, interesting um, people who have moved here, either the type of work they do, where they came from, or people that have interesting stories? That's always a really difficult question for me to answer because each individual that came to the program uh-huh. is, is really incredible. And yeah, uh, I am really lucky that I've gotten to know every single person mm-hmm. uh, and, have, and have learned their story. So it, it's difficult. I can talk about um, Lily, who's a Harlem Globetrotter who came through the program, was one of the first people to transition uh, in, into Tulsa. And, and just the work that she does is, is pretty incredible, not only within uh, the Harlem Globetrotters, but also within outreach through, through her profession. Um, I can think of people who are in education, somebody who creates uh, English as a second language educational programming for a, a language company out of New York. Uh, so I think that's really interesting that that there's a person who helps develop curriculum that helps people who are learning English as a second language feel more included. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there are just so many amazing individuals. There's an individual here who uh, who's already started a nonprofit in Tulsa who volunteers teaching uh, disadvantaged elementary school students uh, debate. Some really amazing that's individuals. Cool. But I, I, I hate can't I yeah. hate narrowing it down because I, I understand I could we could spend the entire podcast talking about each one of the individuals and how incredible they are. Yeah. So uh, what are some of the so after they finish their first year, um, what kind of support do you do you expect to continue to provide and, and to help keep them connected? I believe that the greatest incentive of the entire program is the community that they inherit when they come to Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Tulsa has community in spades. That's our greatest strength. Is, you know, what makes a city is the people, and Tulsa has incredible people. But we also provide that community within Tulsa Remote. So we have a, a Slack work group that all the Tulsa Remote participants are a part of. As you can imagine, moving into a new city and immediately getting accepted into a Slack channel is, is probably a pretty amazing uh, crutch to help you with some of the transitions that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, where do I get my hair cut? Where do I get good tacos? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, important questions right, like that. Right. Uh, so I, I don't see any of the community aspects going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people who came through the first year are, are becoming ambassadors to Tulsa, and those who choose to stay are the best people possible to help the new people who are coming mm-hmm. into Tulsa understand the transition into the community, right? So they know what it was like to move from a, another city to Tulsa. They know the barriers. And that's the thing that we, we, we try to be really authentic and vulnerable about the pros and cons to Tulsa. We don't paint Tulsa as a utopia. We don't uh, try to sell people to uh, a bill of goods that we, you know, we, we can't deliver on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are obstacles in moving into a new community, any community. We just happen to think that the, the pros far outweigh the cons here in Tulsa. So you said that you, you lived somewhere else for 15 years. Where, where were you? So I, like many kids all across the country, left the state to go to college. And I ended up going to school in Boston. Uh, after that, I, I worked in New York City. My first job was at a record label in New York City. 
Uh, and then I got the unbelievable opportunity to go work at iTunes for um, almost a decade out in San Francisco. So um, I was there before there was an app store and after we launched <laughs> Apple Music. So old wow. school Silicon Valley. Uh, it was a pretty amazing experience. And uh, in 2015, I decided to leave Apple. I loved it, but I just felt like the, the choices were be a lifer or try something new. And I decided to try something new. And so I was working as a consultant, uh, living in San Francisco and flying down to LA every week. And as attractive as that sounds, it gets tiring pretty quickly. And I just knew that I didn't want to move to LA. I liked the city, but it just felt kind of, it, it, it felt exhausting thinking about starting over in a fourth major city. Yeah. Uh, and and I honestly felt lucky that I knew that Tulsa was a, a viable option because everybody else in San Francisco was talking about Portland or, or Denver or Austin. And you know, all of those cities are fantastic cities, but they're already kind of oversaturated with people mm -hmm. moving from California. Uh, and the biggest obstacle in moving to a new community is how am I going to meet people and am I going to be welcomed? And there's a perception, at least I felt it in San Francisco, that moving from Silicon Valley to Denver Austin or Nashville or, uh, or Portland, I was going to be just another California Silicon Valley techer moving in and gentrifying the community. And I think what makes Tulsa so special is that it's a, it's a grateful community, a welcoming community. People are excited when somebody from California or New York moves here, uh, excited to learn, uh, excited to get them connected um, and supportive of them. I think one of the things that has kept me in Tulsa when I had opportunities to leave is feel like in Tulsa rather different from a lot of cities is that there is a real opportunity to make a tangible difference as an individual where in like a lot of the cities you mentioned you you really it's difficult to make a true difference whereas here you know there we have plenty of problems you know as you said we're we're generally open about about many of our issues but there are also a lot of very philanthropic organizations that are willing to help fund organizations that want to want to work on those problems. And if you dedicate time and resources to those problems, you can actually move the needle on them. And I think that can be an exciting selling point for a lot of people is actually use your, you could argue some of the weaknesses of the community actually as a selling point to give people who want to make a difference a place where they can make a difference. I think that's incredibly insightful. The answer is yes. Uh, we are extremely lucky that this community, in my opinion, is one of the coolest communities I've ever lived in because there are more people per capita actively working to make this city the place they want to see in the future than anywhere else. Uh, and we do have a lot of... Uh, uh, things to overcome as a community. And there are plenty of foundations that are ready and willing to support individuals that have great ideas on how to solve that. Um, and when we are authentic and vulnerable about the city's issues, the people who come to visit through Tulsa Remote get excited about the opportunity to get involved to affect change. That, I believe, is a major motivator for our generation, is a desire to have a positive impact in the community. Uh, and it is difficult in a city like San Francisco to get involved in something that you're passionate about. If you care about homelessness, that's an amazing thing to be passionate about. How do you get connected in San Francisco to the to the city leaders that are actively working on solving those issues? I can tell you who to get in contact with here in Tulsa mm -hmm. and could probably get you a meeting within a week. 
You know, I these, think we interviewed one of them on an earlier yeah, podcast. Yeah, I think we did. <laughs> if you are excited about uh, music and you want to get involved in the symphony, how do you do that in Denver? I can tell you exactly how to do that here in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have tangible skills that you can lend to nonprofit organizations, they are incredibly excited to welcome you into other ecosystem to help support the the initiatives and the causes that you care about. It's a pretty amazing, mm-hmm. um, I think that we're at a really, really interesting point at, at a city. We're large enough that we have some pretty amazing influence in the country, but we're small enough that you can still get connected pretty quickly. Well, that's one of the things I noticed in Boston was even when I got into a a job where my job was literally connecting people to other people, there was, there was always a barrier I had separating me from the people who would eventually become me in the sense that people who grew up in the Boston area, moved away and came back, were always going to have deeper connections than I, I was ever going to be able to have. They would know people because they grew up with someone's daughter, or, you know, went to school with someone's son. There was those, these weird barriers that I, I was never going to be able to push through. And I, I, was, I was at a point where I'm like, why am I putting so much energy into a community that is going to be fine whether I'm here or not, right? right? But in Tulsa, again, like, I knew someone who used to have my job who connected me to you to get you on this podcast today, right? Like that, that would have been 20 more steps in another city. Right. Well, let me ask you, not every, like, again, there are lots of great positive programs coming out of all the foundations in town, but I imagine on top of all the the positive press Tulsa Remote has gone, there's probably been, I'm guessing some pushback about the use of resources to help bring other people here Versus using that money to say help people here, has it been something you've run into? Yeah, I'm sure there are, there are individuals who have communicated that they think that uh, it would be better use of money to to put it towards the individuals that are already here. Um, but but really, that's an opportunity to educate to say this is actually for the people who are already here. Um, you know, I had a really incredible career. Um, I was very lucky. I was privileged. I was privileged to go to an amazing school in in Boston. I was privileged to take the risk to move to New York City for a a job. Uh, And because of that, I got the opportunity uh, and was privileged to work at Apple for as long as I did, which gave me the flexibility to move back to Tulsa when I did not have a concrete job. So I've been able consistently to take risk, and that was born out of privilege. If I had wanted to have my career in Tulsa, it would have been incredibly difficult because of a lack of representation of my industry. The goal of this program is to quickly diversify the industry and potentially provide representation in every possible way to create an ecosystem in Tulsa that allows a child who has not been given the same kind of privileges that I've been given uh, an opportunity to have the career of their dreams. If, if it were my choice, I would love to be able to provide the opportunities that I had to every single person born in Tulsa, but I don't have that option. Um, but if we can create a community and an environment here in Tulsa where no matter how you've been born or what opportunities you've been given, there's a chance for you to connect with somebody who has the kind of career that you want to have that potentially looks like you. That, that's an amazing opportunity. Um, so for the, the people who are critical of the resources being used to attract new people, uh, the opportunity is to say, we are trying to provide more opportunity for the people who are already here, who potentially don't have the 
uh, freedom to, to leave by bringing in people who do have the freedom to come. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the idea of economic development is not a, a new one. There are tax dollars that are spent every year on uh, trying to attract companies. And historically, uh, talent went where the jobs were. But as remote work is continuing to evolve, uh, jobs are now going to where the talent is. I think that Amazon headquartered HQ2 search that happened uh, last year is a great example. Uh, they didn't pick the cheapest place to live, right? They went to the place where the, the, the talent was most readily available. And so by focusing on attracting talented people instead of trying to attract a company, you can potentially be on the front curve of, of, of a new model of, of, of economic development. Yeah, and I, and I think with the focus in a lot of programs, the Kaiser Family Foundation is sort of trying to prepare Tulsa to be part of the economy of the future, to lessen the impact of things that have affected us historically, like downturns in oil and gas prices and you know financial service industries, which seem to be two of the largest historically employers here. So how do you see this plugging into preparing Tulsa to be part of the economy of the, of the future? No, I, I wouldn't want to speak for the, the foundation. I think that the foundation is excited to uh, continuously think about new ways to attract talented people here to help diversify the industry that exists. Um, I believe that Tulsa Remote is a small part of an overall strategy to, to make Tulsa the best place for a child to be born, grow, and succeed. You would have to speak with somebody at George Kaiser Family Foundation to get a better understanding of their entire strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, but I believe that Tulsa Remote fits in very, very closely to the overall strategy of the foundation. Well, to kind of take a different um, spin on it, not just GKFF, but a lot of organizations in Tulsa are trying to find ways to make uh, Tulsa as open and supporting of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And so there are all kinds of, of new programs that are designed to help somebody trying to start a business here. Mm -hmm. So do you see a tie-in with Tulsa Remote that some of these people um, would would build and grow businesses here? Absolutely. These are incredibly successful individuals who have earned the opportunity to have flexibility in wherever they live. Mm -hmm. um, these are not entry-level individuals. They are successful individuals. Uh, and a lot of them have really amazing ideas. And you bring in these people and there's, it's just a matter of time before there's collaborative collisions that happen and, uh, and ideas sprout. Um, and if we can develop an ecosystem that cultivates entrepreneurship and provides individuals with clear pathways to resources, I think that you'll see Tulsa Remote supporting the overall entrepreneurial spirit of the city. Quasi-tangent is one of the things I've always wanted to compliment Tulsa Remote on is, and it took me a while to figure out why, but then once I was told why, it makes, makes perfect sense. But Tulsa Remote has one of the best local Tulsa job boards I have ever seen. <laughs> like it compiles it by company. It is like visually appealing. And when I, I think I, when I asked Susie why, like this seems to go against what the point is. And she was like, a lot of people who come here aren't single. They have significant others. Those people also need jobs. And I was like, that makes a hundred, that makes, makes perfect sense. But it is, I mean, as someone who's been looking for jobs for, for nine months, like it is gorgeous. It's beautiful <laughs> to look at. Like I enjoy using it, which is, does not usually happen. And that made me think about the fact that Tulsa Remote 
thought that far ahead. Like that shows a very you know, deep sense of understanding. How do we get people to stay here? We have to make sure their significant others, you know, other family members are able to find work. I just wanted to compliment you on that. Well, thank you. Um, I believe that, you know, we were one of the, I think we're the first to, 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 to accept people into a program that provides them a financial incentive to come into a city. Um, and there have, we're not the last. Uh, and there are communities that are actively doing it. And I think one, to- one way that they potentially miss the mark is it's really not about the money. Uh, again, the money removes risk. Um, what this program is about and why I believe that it's been successful is that it's, it's, it's honest. It, it is saying we understand that there is a target audience that is potentially thinking about moving. They probably have not considered Tulsa. Or they've considered Tulsa and need kind of a kick in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that individual need? That individual needs to know where they're going to work. That's why we provided a partnership with 36 Degrees North to provide uh, co-working space for each of the individual. Not everybody uses it every day, but it's still a resource that's there. And there's mm-hmm. a built-in community of it that that helps them get connected quickly to, to Tulsa. Um we showed them where they live. We partnered with uh, property management groups in Tulsa that actually provide additional incentives. Some of them provide additional incentives to Tulsa remote participants, um, helping ease the process of transitioning into the city. Um, and we did consider the partners. Uh, so you you have to think about the entire the entire person and the entire situation that they're in. It, it, not to not to take this down to just a marketing strategy. But if you understand very clearly who your audience is, you can create something that really supports them authentically. And that's the only way that I think you're going to have long-term success is if you if you truly understand who you're trying to attract and you're providing all the types of support that they need. Uh, this year, we launched a housing portal. I don't know if you've been to the site recently. I checked it out today, actually. But yeah, the, the housing portal, I saw like very detailed information about you know, uh, downtown apartments, but also houses all over the city. One that looks like a ginormous tree house that sold apparently, but I was like, <laughs> I know I wanted to buy that one. That, that, that house is <laughs> incredible. Wise. I'm not hundred percent sure where it is, but man, it's, it's gorgeous. But <laughs> it would have been a little bit of a trek for me, but yeah. it, it's a gorgeous house. And that's something that, um, that was strategic, right? We wanted to show individuals the kind of uh, housing opportunities. I mean, honestly, that house that you're talking about, I think was 3,500 square feet. It was absolutely gorgeous. And the craftsmanship of it was in, in, impeccable. Uh, and you couldn't buy a garage in San Francisco for the same price. <laughs> nope. Right. And so, um, you know, I've never been a fan of promoting low cost of living as a benefit of a community. I think that is an ancillary benefit that it costs less, but it's not a reason why somebody's going to move somewhere, right? It, if it is, there are cheaper places than Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it becomes a race to the bottom. Um, what I try to focus on is the quality of life that you can have here in Tulsa. And that quality of life includes it being less pressure. And right, living in San Francisco, I, we, there's a person, Oboom, who came through the program who, who lived in L.A. And uh, he's originally from Ferguson, uh, Missouri. And he, he started a nonprofit in Missouri. Uh, he had all these dreams of getting really, really involved when he was in Los Angeles. But honestly, just the pressure of living in the city was so high that he didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we did the interview, we did a video interview with him. Every person who comes to the program uh, applies. And then at a certain stage, we do a video interview with them. And 
many of them come and visit Tulsa too uh, in the process. Um, but when we were doing the video interview, Aboom spoke of how passionate he was about getting involved again in ways that he had in the past, but hadn't. You know, you can you can always say, well, you know, are, 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 have they really tried? Are, mm-hmm. is, are they telling the truth? Is that wishful thinking? I can tell you right now that Oboom has gotten involved in more ways than any other person I have ever met. <laughs> uh, and it is a testament to when you remove barriers uh, and and help people transition into a community that is uh, is supportive in the quality of life. Again, quality of life being tied to the ease of life allows them to get involved. It's pretty amazing. Well, I mean, it, it's it's small things. I know the older I got living in Boston, that things I didn't think about needing and, I, and didn't care about needing eventually were things that I wanted because you know, as you get older, they're like you, you want to go out and you want to get involved, but like you also have to you know do laundry and make dinner <laughs> and drive around. And after a while, you're like, I don't have the energy to do all of these things. Yeah. Well, and when doing laundry takes you three and a half hours yeah. in New York because and you're afraid 40, somebody's yeah. going to steal your laundry if you mm-hmm. leave it. Um, cost, like, how much was a load when you were oh, living in New York? I don't remember okay. at all. But it was it was two fifty a load in Boston uh-huh. when we left, and yeah. I was like, "This is insane." Mm-hmm. The, uh, you know, I, it, technically in San Francisco there are more things to do in Tulsa, mm-hmm. technically. But I do far more in Tulsa <laughs> yeah. than I ever did in San Francisco mm-hmm. because, you know, I, okay. So I worked in at Apple, which was in Silicon Valley, right? Which was in Cupertino, 45 miles from my house, 45 miles. So every day we're commuting back into San Francisco, which took an hour to an hour and a half, depending on traffic. So by the time I got home, uh, the idea of getting back out and dealing with uh, either a 45 minute ride in an Uber that cost me 25 bucks or an hour on a bus to get to another part of the city to go out uh, was a little challenging. Uh, So one of the first things that I remembered uh, when I first moved back to Tulsa, my mom's birthday was just a few days after I arrived back in Tulsa. And I went to a salon and got her a gift card. I went to a shop in Utica Square to get her a birthday card. I went to the grocery store uh, to go get groceries to cook dinner over at her house. And I ended up at her house an hour earlier than I expected. <laughs> that would have taken like, that would have taken like six hours. Yeah. Two days. Yeah. Yeah. I would have scheduled two different oh, yeah. days to do it because mm-hmm. the idea of going in one direction and another, it just would have been, it would have been crazy. So I find myself doing more. And what's really cool is I find people who, um, who, who, who have kids doing more socially here than in San Francisco. My friends, you know, I'm, I'm 40 years old and my friends in San Francisco were having kids and, uh, it became incredibly difficult for them to go out and to do things and to find babysitters. And, and here I see my friends out all the time. And I think that's really cool. Um, and I've heard feedback from people that, that, that they find themselves going out more often here and having a, a busier social life here in Tulsa than they did in, in New York yeah, or, well, or San Francisco. M- my friends in Boston who ended up having kids, they all had to move to one of the farther away suburbs to afford having kids have, you know, to have a house or apartment big enough. And so it just became another barrier to see them and for them to see us and for them to come into town because totally. they had to move to Melrose or whatever. I'm, <laughs> I'm referring to one particular friend of mine, but I was like, we we went out to see them, but a lot of their other friends did not because, right. you know, even though it's only like 10 miles away, it takes you an hour and a half. Right. And so at the end of the day, if if all you're really looking for is great food, 
great drinks and connection to good people. I believe wholeheartedly that that is more accessible here than in any other city that I've lived in. So, uh, you know, I know we've talked about a lot of the, the awesome things that people have got from the program. I'm curious, what are the, some of the things that they're like, man, I, w- I really wish Tulsa had, you know, this one thing, or <laughs> I would absolutely stay here no yeah. matter what if they just had this. If Tulsa had blank. Yes. Have you gotten any feedback sure, along those lines? Sure. I, I mean, sure. I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the best way to, to communicate this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> some of them are really easy to communicate, right? right. Like, uh, we need more direct flights. Right. Yes. Uh, you right. know, the, we, we're, we're getting ever. there. Yeah. We're getting there. Uh, a, a direct flight to New York. We had a flight to San Jose. That, that isn't there anymore, but we need one to, to, to San Francisco and, mm-hmm. and to New York. And I think that would make a really big difference. L.A. made a huge difference mm-hmm. for people. We're about to get one to Baltimore. That'll be nice, too. That'll be great. Baltimore, yeah, no, DC f- flying home from Boston to here was more expensive than flying from Boston to anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I came back from Madrid and my flight from Madrid to New York was shorter than my flight from New York to, to Tulsa. Um, and you know, but at the, at the same time, when I lived in New York city, I would fly out of LaGuardia before I'd fly out of JFK. I'd fly indirectly through LaGuardia with a layover over. I'd fly direct to JFK (laughs) just because it was more predictable. Um, I would have to leave two hours, maybe more, before my flight to JFK just in case there was traffic. Yeah. And I like to tell people, when I was living in an apartment downtown, uh, it would take me 12 minutes to not just get to the airport, but get to my gate. To the gate, yes. To oh. my gate. Yeah. The, going through it security like here is just, yeah. know, An so Uber great. ride. It was yeah. incredible. Um, so that's, that's an easy one to mention. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, things that are a little bit more complicated, um, I would say that you know, you bring in an extraordinarily diverse group of individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't always been as inclusive as we should yeah. be, mm-hmm. um, intentionally inclusive. And that's, that is a huge failing of, of Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think there are leaders who are, are getting it. Uh, and I think that is a testament to, uh, community leaders that have been extremely focused on ensuring that, uh, the leaders of Tulsa hear, hear that message. Well, let me ask you this. So you are, you're, accepting applications now for year two for people in 2020. What lessons have you learned from year one that you're taking into year two? You know, we, we focused quite a bit on ensuring that the partners of participants, family members of participants felt included. Uh, but we're going to focus even more on that this year. Uh, I think the biggest lessons that we've learned were just, uh, how to deal with scale. Uh, the, you know, we launched this program not knowing that we were going to receive over 10,000 applications in less than 10 weeks and uh, having to shut it down because we were still receiving 125 applications a day and uh, needing to, to start digging mm-hmm. into that. Uh, so it took us a while to get back to some individuals, uh, three months before a lot of people heard that they were accepted into the program, uh, which is a long time, mm-hmm. especially when you're thinking about picking up and moving across the country. So we, we figured out how to streamline the entire process. Uh, that's a big lesson learned that we, um, that, that was unavoidable, but it was, it's really exciting to see how much more efficient the whole process is and how we can focus so much more on the personal relationships with the, the people who are applying. Do you, uh, do you get many um, international applicants and is that part of the scope of the project or is the focus on right now the uh, domestic applicants? We do receive 
quite a few international applications. Uh, we re- we received more last year than we did this year, which is I think is a testament to uh, just the focus of the the program this year. Last year there was a lot of international press. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not help with the legal aspects of of being able to work in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So if an individual is a U.S. citizen living in another country or has the legal ability to work in the U.S. for one reason or another, they're more than welcome to apply, but we're not supporting the acquisition of visas or anything like that program. Okay. So it's not it's not that you're actively discouraging it, but it's not necessarily a focus of your pool and you're not providing active support related to that. Right. It's not a specific focus, but mm-hmm. we wouldn't, Again, we, we never want to cancel out a, a person who would be a great fit. We are right. looking for talented individuals that have uh, a desire to move to a new mm-hmm. community that are looking to be a part of a positive change in that community. Um, and the, all the other variables are, are just variables. So I think we've talked, you've talked about different aspects of it, but can you walk us through kind of what is the, the process from when somebody applies to when they're accepted and actually move when they move here? Yeah, I wouldn't want to bore everybody with every <laughs> step of the process, but it starts off with them filling out an application on TulsaRemote.com. Uh, after they fill out that application, somebody from the team reviews, and uh, and if they choose so, moves them to a semifinalist position where they do a video interview with somebody from the Tulsa Remote team. Uh, we as a group then, after every week, make decisions about the people that we've done video interviews with, um, who we want to move forward. Uh, if those individuals have not had a connection to Tulsa before, we invite them to come and visit. The goal is, again, not to convince somebody to move to Tulsa mm-hmm. sight unseen. It's it's to, sh- to showcase what Tulsa is and, and attract the people who are excited about being part of the community. So we want to make sure that they are very aware of what Tulsa is. And we, we, do, a, we do a tour of Tulsa when they're here visiting. And again, we go deep into the good and the bad. We, you know, we, we go directly into to Greenwood and we talk about the race massacre. We talk about um, UCAT uh, and the TDA and, and, um, and the history of the land that's just north of the uh, IDL. Um, and I think that, again, the, that opportunity to be vulnerable and authentic attracts the types of individuals who are excited about being part of the conversations that are happening here in Tulsa. And I want to touch on that again, that Tulsa is in a very unique situation where, you know, there are, I don't know of many cities that are our size in this part of the country that are actively having the conversations about equity that Tulsa is having. And I believe wholeheartedly that the more vocal we are about this, the more vulnerable we are about this, the more our city leaders are willing to have these difficult conversations. It not only is it the right thing to do, but there is an economic benefit to a community by showcasing that we're willing to admit failings and, uh, and push the community forward. And, and listen to voices that have been unheard for a long time. So for, I think there are a lot of people in this community like me that are very passionate about Tulsa and, you know, love ideas like anything that can bring either people back to Tulsa or new people to Tulsa. How can they get involved to help support the program, support the, the people in the cohort? How can they get connected? That's a great question. There are, there are a lot of different ways that people can get involved. 
first and foremost, if you meet somebody from Tulsa Remote, <laughs> uh, be nice to them and, <laughs> and ask them how you can help them get connected. Uh, Tulsa Remote got people's attention and, and $10,000 helped them move here, but it's not going to help them stay here, right? Mm -hmm. It's the city of Tulsa and the people of Tulsa that are going to convince these individuals to, to stay. And if they don't stay, they, they will hopefully be advocates and ambassadors to the community wherever they end up uh, because of their experience in Tulsa being so positive. And there's definitely an ancillary benefit to all of that. Yeah, because I imagine you living on the East Coast and on the West Coast had to, uh, on occasion, defend Oh, the middle man. of the country, like all I the time. I should have gotten a salary. <laughs> I was uh, I was regularly the first person somebody had met from Oklahoma, let alone Tulsa. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I had an opportunity to change perceptions. And, uh, you know, a lot of my friends were not surprised that I moved back to Tulsa uh, because they knew how much I cared about this community and, and how excited I was about the tra trajectory that it's going. Mm -hmm. Tulsa is going to grow. And as you were saying, you know, you're, passionate. There are a lot of people who are passionate about Tulsa and want to see it grow. Tulsa is going to grow. It's, it's whether or not it's going to grow in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And we need individuals who are active in the conversations, who care about accessibility and affordability in, in, in urban core, who care about education, who care about public transportation, who care about food deserts, being part of the conversation to ensure that as we grow, we've learned from the other communities that came before us to ensure that we, as we grow, that nobody, nobody is being left behind in that growth. So easy thing is just to be nice to the Tulsa Remote <laughs> right. participants. Uh, if you want to get involved in, um, in, in actively working with Tulsa Remote, we have a Facebook group that you can join. And we will be starting this year to invite individuals to events that are happening throughout the year. Uh, you can also email info at TulsaRemote.com and give your contact information. We'd love to have ambassadors to the city help us welcome these new people into the community. For sure. Awesome. Well, I mean, one of the things that we do ask, one of the final things is if there is anything that you'd like to plug, any any events or anything related to Tulsa Remote that you'd like to get out there? You mentioned the Facebook group. Is there anything else? No, I we've already received so many amazing applicants this year, but that does not mean that we're not looking for more and more people mm -hmm. to, to apply who you think would be a great addition to the Tulsa community. So I would encourage anybody who knows someone who's a remote worker, who's thinking about moving to a new community to, mm -hmm. to tell them about TulsaRemote.com and have them sign up because it's always referrals that end up being, you know, the really amazing individuals. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, more and more people who hear this podcast, who, who tell really talented individuals about Tulsa, the, the better it is for the community. I'll make sure our one, uh, German listener knows the program. <laughs> so, Hey, you've seen it. We have we have listeners across the country. We do. Maybe we not do. a lot of them, we but do. we have like them. Random in in Maryland randomly. Yes. And I'm always, I'm always curious about. I'm like we have tens of listeners outside of Oklahoma. We do. We do. Well, very exciting. Well, I apologize if I've caused you to lose any listeners. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we do that all Yeah, around. yeah. Chris and I can handle that <laughs> by ourselves. Um so the the last thing the last, last thing we do <laughs> is we have our guest uh, sort of look around the uh, the Pod for Good nerd cave and sort of either find something that calls to them or find something that you're like, I need to know what this is. Please explain it to me. <laughs> so we'll give you a minute to look around. Oh gosh. Yes. Yeah, so there's a lot of things in here. I feel... I feel like you're exposing my non-nerdiness. I, you know, <laughs> I, I want people to think that I am, but I'm 
not. <laughs> Listen, there, there are lots of safe bets to pick in this room, too. I assumed everyone that worked for Apple had to be nerdy. Yeah, some of us faked it. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Jesse, is the is the Romulan ale new, or have I just never? No, it. it, it uh, we had it. It was just hiding in the kitchen somewhere. Okay. But that was a energy drink that we had at our wedding. Oh my gosh! It was a uh, not good, but it was <laughs> you, blue. You, you had so. a specialty energy drink for your wedding. The, it was a gift from a uh, from a friend, actually. <laughs> oh, so. I thought you had like a, a, a an energy drink sponsoring. Your no, wedding. God, that'd be great. <laughs> You had great. Like, people with backpacks carrying around Red Bull. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be amazing. So tell me, um, I mean, the steampunk hat is obviously oh. something that got my attention All right. when I first walked in. <laughs> tell me a little bit about the steampunk so hat. So that steampunk hat came from a birthday party we just threw for the unnamed person who also lives in this house. <laughs> and it was a murder mystery set in the future, but the dress code was, you know, 1920s steampunky-ish. So well, it was for your character. That's true. I was Ivan the Horrible. I don't know why they didn't just go with the actual. Ivan yeah, the they, terrible they, they, name. they changed fine. all the historical names. Um, <laughs> so I had to go as best I could, appropriate to a czarist Russian sort of outfit. Yes, I, I was from the recent past, and apparently, like steampunk never goes out of style. So <laughs> yeah. that was my hat. Recent past being a rave in 1993. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. I also have always appreciated with steampunk the way they have goggles on the hats that can't be removed. Nope. So you can't actually use the goggles. They are so just for show. Decorative goggles. Exactly. Listen, <laughs> people who always have decorative things that should be for use, but you can't use them. So also goggles, like really, other than swimming now, do we ever really wear goggles? I assume scientists do. Mm. Are you supposed to wear goggles when you're like weed eating or something? Don't people just wear the safety glasses now instead? Anyway, if if any of our listeners know the answer to that question, <laughs> please email please us. Please comment with yeah. uses of goggles yes. for us. Because <laughs> these are the things that matter to Telsons. All right. Well, uh, we'll see. We will I told get... you we could run off uh, listeners all That's by right. ourselves. That's right. Well, we will get a picture with you. Uh, usually, we have them holding the item, but I guess in this case, we will have uh, you. You want? You can wear. You can the wear hat the hat for the picture. May or so. may not happen. All right. Well, <laughs> our. Our, lis- our listeners will have to check out our Facebook page to see whether he's holding the hat or wearing the hat. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for, for joining us today. Yes, and, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure. We, we look forward to running into people from Cohort 2. I don't know, mm-hmm. if, you're, I don't know if you're calling it Cohort 2. but Or Cohort 1. Yeah, Cohort 1.0. Cohort you know, That's true. We've always been really careful about, um, you know, staying away from calling the Tulsa Remote participants anything other than participants uh, because – at the end of the day, they're just new Tulsans. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we, we don't want there to be a separation. Like mm-hmm. a big goal has been to uh, be careful of not creating a subculture, right? So right. getting them connected, making them just new Tulsans and, and helping them become known Tulsans pretty quickly. So, well, luckily, Tulsa is a good town for that because everyone here is super nice and I'm still retraining my brain for it. So. I know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Having conversations with people on the street. I'd gotten completely out of practice on that. So, <laughs> right. so again, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. I hope you all enjoyed our episode with Aaron Belsley from Telsa Remote. And we hope that you've liked all the episodes we've done so far. I want to thank all of you, our listeners, for helping us get over the 1,000 downloads mark. We appreciate it immensely. We hope you enjoy these episodes. And please remember to subscribe. And to share this podcast on social media so other people can hear it. And to email us at potsforgood at gmail.com if there are interesting people you think would be great people to talk to on this podcast. We want to reflect 
all the amazing things that are happening in Tulsa. And to do that, we need your help. So thank you all. Get it done, Tulsa.